Most of us have a love-hate relationship with nutrition labels. On one hand, we love it because we get to know what we're putting into our bodies. But on the other hand, yeah, I really didn't need to feel guilty about eating that pint of ice cream last night. Well, for some other people, nutrition labels bring on a whole new meaning, especially if you work in regulatory affairs, where you can really get down to the nitty gritty, for better or for worse. On today's episode, we hear from Catherine Lawson, Principal Regulatory and Scientific Affairs Specialist at Nestle USA. To get an idea of what a dietitian does on the regulatory side of the food industry. If you're looking at like nutrition facts information, I often will see, like try to make sure that it, all the math adds up. So like sometimes I'll be looking at the nutrition facts panel, have my cell phone out and I'll be like calculating, okay, do you match your carbohydrates and, and fat and protein? Does that match the total calories? And think about like, did they round up? Did they round down? It's a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> I'm Jason Park and this is Dietitians Unknown. If you won the lottery today, I don't know, let's say it was $100 million, okay? What would be your first purchase and why? My first purchase probably wouldn't be a purchase. I would actually pay off all of my mom's debt. Um, my mom raised my sister and I as a single parent ever since we were really little, and she worked four jobs. But always made sure that she was there to take us to school, pick us up from school. And even if that meant we had to have dinner at 2.30 in the afternoon, um, which I got used to and my friends in college made fun of me for, um, I would make sure that she didn't have to worry about her mortgage payment and any other debt that she had. And then I would probably buy her and my sister a trip to Atlantis in the Bahamas because that's always been a bucket list of ours. Wow, that is so wholesome of you because <laughs> <laughs> because my first, you know, I, I thought about this question and I'm yeah. like, hmm, I think my first purchase, I think I want to buy a castle with like <laughs> with like yeah. a moat and a drawbridge. That that would be really cool. <laughs> Yours is like way more wholesome and um, now I feel like a terrible person. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just because I probably <laughs> my answer was a little biased. I talked to my mom earlier this morning and we were talking about student loan debt and paying things off. Oh, for so sure. It probably was totally. top of mind. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And now I, I have to rethink my priorities in life. <laughs> Close third uh, would be a Chanel bag, so don't worry. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, let's just dive into this, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll see where this goes, and we can just have fun with it. What made you want to become a dietitian? For me, this answer changes, but when I really think about it, it's the intersection of food and helping people. I've always loved food. Um, I was that kid growing up that ate all the sweets all the time. Um, Didn't really like vegetables, but you know what? Brussels sprouts, I loved those for whatever reason. But yeah, I just was always really drawn to food. My um, family has a lot of executive chefs in there, so that probably played into it. But I wanted to originally be a doctor. um, And then when I was talking to my aunt about uh, her day on a phone call one random day, she said, oh, I just hired a dietitian at my hospital 
And I thought, oh, a dietitian, what do they do? And she explained. And I said, well, this is perfect. This is food. This is helping people um, in that clinical realm. I said, sign me up. And it just so happened that my uh, college that was in my hometown, Michigan State University, had an excellent program. And from that day on, it was fate. Mm. And I think I remember reading, though, that you you originally also were looking into like biomedical engineering, right? Yeah, I, you know, the science, I'm a science nerd. I get really geeked out on a lot of different aspects of the human body, how it works, um, how, you know, disease and illnesses can affect the body. And, and I think what in mentioning, though, the biomedical engineering part, really, that came down to helping people. Um, I wanted to take if I did go that route, I wanted to help build prosthetic limbs for people. Um, as I volunteered with some folks in high school who were missing limbs and it just seemed like a neat area to go into katie just from these first two from our conversation <laughs> you were such a good person like you just seemed like such a good person to me like you want to pay off your mom's debts and like take care of them and then you want to build prosthetic limbs for people who do not have uh you know who need those and like that <laughs> that's awesome i'm so oh man um again i'm like rethinking my life priorities, but <laughs> But anyways, uh, so, you know, you that's kind of why you were interested in nutrition. And then Mm -hmm. you happen, you know, your school had a good program and then you do your internship. And then what is kind of what is your first job after finishing uh, your internship? Yeah. So my first job was clinical. Um, But I have to admit, I when I was doing my internship, I actually almost failed my clinical rotation in my dietetic internship. And from Mm -hmm. that day, I. I knew being inpatient probably wasn't the right fit for me. Um, But what I did love was the long-term care rotation that I had. So my first job out of my master's program was uh, a long-term care facility in Vermont. I had about 140 beds. I was the only dietitian. I did have a food service manager. um, So we worked very closely together in terms of, you know, menu planning and helping patients with their with their therapeutic diets. Uh, but that job was one of the most rewarding experiences ever. It's like going to work with your grandparents every day. And, <laughs> and my particular building um, focused on dementia and Alzheimer's. And so um, you never knew what you were going to walk into that day. And while the building did have a lot of challenges, um, it was just really fun to work with that population and really get a solid foundation of clinical under my belt. I was in that role for about a year. It um, was part-time, actually, so I needed to find a full-time fit. And in Vermont, there's not many full-time RD roles uh, in the state. It's very small. So I supplemented that first year with actually a role with Sodexo as one of their campus dietitians, which was a new role that they created, um, working a lot with their chefs on campus, uh, students with eating disorders, allergies. um, And so really blending that food service clinical site that I had been experience that I had been getting in my long-term care facility, but now working with a different population set of college kids, which was interesting being fresh out of college myself. Um, I felt sometimes more like their friend versus right. someone maybe that, one they of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that they should be listening to. But it was a real moment when a college freshman once came 
and walked by and was like, she's so old and looked right <laughs> at me. So, you know, it, it was a little ego humbling at one point. <laughs> So, I mean, that was more like uh, towards like wellness, right? The wellness yeah. side of nutrition. Yeah. But it was, I think what I loved about that was it was a brand new role. So I really got to shape what I wanted it to be in terms of the deliverables, the working relationships, um, how the role for a dietitian was seen by university leadership. Um, you know, if you work in the Sodexo or uh, one Aramark Compass, those roles, those accounts, you know, can, when contracts end, sometimes aren't guaranteed, but the relationships can really help build the case for why uh, that provider should be um, continuing on. So it was awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds like, a, like it's, it would be a fun role because like you said, it was new. And I mean, I'm assuming because it was new that you had maybe a little more leeway in terms of like what kind of things that you wanted to, to do or offer for, for the students. Exactly. Exactly. It was really up to me. Um, and so that role actually turned into a full-time position. So I left my clinical long-term care role and took on the university school food service setting for about a year and a half. Um, and that position actually expanded to supporting all of the states, state colleges and universities in Vermont, as well as a few locations in Northern New York. So I was got to travel a little bit, got to uh, design a couple of games. Um, I played wellness words with friends. So I took the app version of words with friends and made it on a poster board. Um, and some people, some students found it cheesy, but it was really fun. Yeah. Um, I quickly learned though that college students will take any opportunity to inappropriately spell things if given the, given the chance. So I had to retire that game. At some, <laughs> at some locations. <laughs> oh gosh! So you went from kind of you went from long term care, and then you became the campus dietitian, mm -hmm. and then kind of what led you to your role now after that? Yeah, so I uh, have always, in the back of my mind, been really passionate about government work and public policy, and so my my northern star, I guess, at that point in my career was. I'm going to go work for USDA or FDA. I interned with USDA in grad school, lived in DC, and I fell in love with the city and the culture and the atmosphere. And I thought, this is so exciting. This is for me. So <laughs> the whole time I was being a campus dietitian, I was secretly trying to find ways to move down to DC. I would tell my close group of dietitian friends, like, guys, someone wants to take my role. I think I'm ready. I think I found a job. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do this. And it just never quite worked out until one day there was this posting at Kira Green Mountain for a nutrition specialist. And I thought, what a cool opportunity to work for a food company. Um, awesome role. I told every dietitian about it in the state. I was like, you should apply for this. And they're like, why won't you? And I said, oh, no, I'm moving to D.C. It's but thank you for thinking of me. And Lo and behold, um, people just kept getting back to me and they said, I really think you should give this a chance. I know it seems kind of odd, but you should apply and see where it takes you. So I did, uh, waited five months to hear back about my application. So at that point, I really was like, I'm moving to DC, whether I have a job or not, um, which was scary because I love to plan and I love to have backup plans. 
And then finally, I got a call uh, from a hiring manager and he said, come on in. So I said, okay. Five rounds of interviews later, uh, I finally had to say, listen, you know, I, I really think this job's cool. I know you don't really know what you're looking for, someone who can help with nutrition labeling, but coffee doesn't have a lot. So I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for, but I, I can't keep coming and interviewing because um, I only had so much limited PTO. And I said, if you want to hire me, that's great. But if not, I'm going to have to move on because I, I just can't keep doing this. And I got hired on the spot. Um, and that role really turned out to be regulatory work. And um, it was the intersection of taking all that you've learned in school about uh, physiology, anatomy, um, food service management. And it just, they, Keurig had never had a regulatory team. So uh, this was, again, a new role, new beginning. And it was, it just, sparked my passion for the field and topic from there. And I was able to build it into what I wanted, which was really cool. And that led to Nestle finding me on LinkedIn and encouraging me to apply for a role in DC, which I said, sold. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious, was it because you were switching from being a campus dietitian mm -hmm. and now you're working in regulatory? Was that, were you uh, apprehensive about that at all? Or were you just like, let's do this. I'm ready. Oh, let's I was get this terrified. Done. I, that my first day at work, I bawled my eyes out the entire way home to, oh, no. to my mom because I felt like such a fake. Um, I, you know, had had a small glimmer into regulatory affairs and a study abroad opportunity, my undergrad years. Um, but I think my boss thought that I was well-versed. And so the first day someone asked me a question and I didn't know how to respond and I faked it. I said, okay, that's a great question. You know, I'm just getting settled. So let me take a look. But what I had come to understand is everyone thought I was the expert. Um, and so the first day I felt really defeated. I almost felt like I should quit because I felt somehow I like misrepresented myself. Um, and my mom was like, no, you were hired for a reason. You know how to look up information. And she's like, think about what makes you, you know, curious about the, the field of nutrition. And from there, I had to spend a lot of evenings reading federal regulations, uh, getting, you know, things figured out on my end. But it was really uh, tough the first few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that'd be pretty difficult, especially if people were coming to you like you were the guru of <laughs> regulatory, <laughs> you know, and like you should have all the answers. Yeah. And but I feel like I feel like that's with a lot of jobs, though. I mean, I feel like at, with at, um, we kind of have some level of knowledge, but the other part of it is like you were mentioning before and like what your mom was saying that it is like be looking things up and looking up references mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, guidelines or whatever it is. Uh, because no, you, it's hard if you're new, you can't, you can't expect to memorize like every single <laughs> regulation or whatever it is. Right. Uh, so it probably really will put you yeah. to sleep if you did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like bedtime reading material. <laughs> um, so we've kind of been alluding to it, but if you could, I mean, like what area of dietetics would you describe that you work in? And, and I guess, how would you describe what you do? Yeah. So I think I work 
in nutrition communication and or marketing slash business, I guess, is the best way to describe it. So yes, the area that I work in is very heavily public policy based. You're reading regulations and then applying them from a very technical perspective. And I also have additional responsibilities in thinking about our advocacy strategy and external engagement strategy for Nestle in the U.S. But really what it comes down to is day to day, I I help my marketing teams figure out how to say what they want to say about a product in the way that's the most truthful and not misleading to consumers. So always having that consumer first mindset and trying to deliver the best product proposition for the consumer based on the formula. Um, So I do a lot of work with our product development teams um, and also through then the claims and the messaging on product packaging. So you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So I'm trying to think about uh, like an example. So Mm -hmm. for example, uh, let's say Nestle wants to make the claim like uh, our dairy products will cure osteoporosis. (laughs) Yeah. And then are you the person that says, hold up? We can't do that, actually, because the FDA is going to destroy us if we do. <laughs> like, is you, that? That is. You hit okay. it right on the head. Yep. I'm the gatekeeper to claims. Um, and with that, though, I think originally and historically in the profession of those who work in regulatory affairs, we, we got the really negative uh, persona of always being the people who said no. Um, and when you think about companies as large as Nestle, they do have a lot of public reputation to protect. And um, they're an easy target for, I think, a lot of people to critically look at their products as people should always be thinking about their food products and the companies that make and sell them. Um, so yeah, we I am the person who says, I like where you're going with this, but we can't quite phrase it in that way. But here's what we can say, you know, and really working with the team to, to land on language that works for both sides, you know, fits the regulations, also does right by the consumer. Right. So I'm assuming, I mean, you, we kind of talked about it earlier, but I mean, you have to be pretty well versed in like regulations that are set forth like by the FDA and Mm -hmm. other organizations. Yep, exactly. And then also I do a lot of scanning, I think of um, just what the industry is doing. So, you know, thinking about what small players are doing, I, at the grocery store, probably take double the time that my boyfriend would like us to because I'm always looking at products and packaging and labels and sometimes I'll be like oh they're not allowed to do that and he'll be like just put it (laughs) just put it back you don't work for them um and yeah I just find it really interesting to see where the food industry is going and how it's really in this changing time as we shift away from large CPGs to more of some of these smaller players um and how that is forcing these more mainstay CPG companies that you grew up with to think about their strategy a little bit differently and how they're going to win the consumer over. Yeah. So I'm curious when you're at the grocery store and you're looking at these products and their labels and claims, mm-hmm. do they kind of give you ideas too, though? Like you look at it and you're like, oh, actually, that yeah. seems like a good idea. Like maybe <laughs> we should uh, look into this. <laughs> yeah. I think you definitely always. See, and that's one of the questions that I hear all the time from my marketing teams. Well, so-and-so can do it. Why can't we? And there's obviously lots of things for us to consider. Um, but yeah, other companies do inspire uh, some strategy behind the scenes. Um, but just making sure that we do it in the way that's true to Nestle. Right. And so you're also kind of looking at trends potentially as well. 
Trends, yeah. And we, so in my role in regulatory, we have on my team in particular, the Arlington team, we have half of our team are dietitians, but I work with other dietitians who work in our nutrition, health, and wellness group um, who are thinking more about that trends, consumer insights, et cetera. There's dietitians on our marketing team. Um, and so you, that you really get to, it's nice to work with folks who understand your training and your background and the angle in which you're looking at the product. Uh, and you don't have to explain it necessarily as much sometimes. So, yeah, and you, you mentioned, um, so you guys have a, quite a few dietitians that also work for, mm-hmm. you know, not only your department, but other departments. And I'm curious, do you think there's like a stigma for dietitians working for uh, major or global food industries? I do, although I think it's changing. When I first started working for the food industry, I actually was at Fancy one year and had a dietitian come up to me and tell me that I sold my soul for working in the food industry, <laughs> oh, no. uh, which was an interesting perspective and actually made me really question my, my career choice um, at the moment. But then I thought, you know, I can point to examples every day where if my dietitian hat and my lens is not in that room at that table having that discussion who knows what we'll be launching, you know? And so there's just a lot that people don't know about nutrition and you certainly can't expect them to, but that's why my role as a dietitian in the food industry is so valuable. And that's why we need more of them is like, we can help really focus that conversation into what is truthful and accurate um, and therefore help uh, the consumer find products that meet their needs. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, based on my conversation with some other dietitians who work in the food industry, mm-hmm. uh, I think I kind of look at it for, as a from the perspective that we can <laughs> infiltrate the food industry and try to make <laughs> changes from within. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. If you're not at that table, there's someone else is who's advocating on your behalf. And would you rather have someone know what they're talking about or someone who may think that Dr. Oz can tell you everything you need to know about nutrition. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it makes sense that, and again, I think we do, I, for me too, I agree that I think we need more dietitians in the food industry. And I think it's also a testament to showing that we are the nutrition experts because now, I mean, you have multi-billion, million-dollar uh, food corporations that are mm-hmm. hiring dietitians. By a lot too. I mean, I can probably tell you there's at least 10 different types of roles I can think of that Nestle would easily hire a dietitian into. And that's Nestle USA. That's our research centers. That's our, um, we call them opcos, but our different businesses and markets. So if you think uh, Gerber or um, Nestle Health Science, um, you know, there's so many opportunities for dietitians to get involved in, in corporations, if that's what you're thinking about. And really my my biggest advice is just start if you see something that looks interesting and you have some of the qualifications just apply see where it takes you you never know who's gonna which recruiter may respond or think like oh this is an interesting angle um i'd love to hear and talk to this person more about their experience and how it might best fit for this role yeah and that's really good advice because what do they say uh you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take exactly (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, what part of your job do you find most interesting or rewarding? 
I love this question. I was thinking about what to say. <laughs> and I was originally like everything, but I know that's such a fluff answer. I think what I personally love the most about my job is that I get to nerd out, particularly on the products that I'm working on. The innovation strategy is taking us to take a further look into some of these different ingredients that consumers don't typically find in their conventional products. So think, you know, functional ingredients or, or um, plus up ingredients, things that are really hot right now for all sorts of reasons. Um, ashwagandha, uh, you know, turmeric, things like that. And what I love is that I get to dive deep into the scientific substantiation of those ingredients and, and possible claims. And how do they work with the body? And how do they work from a technical perspective with the base formula that we're trying to put them in? Um, and then also build the regulatory strategy on top of that. So I realize that sounds really nerdy, but it challenges me because I don't know a lot about what these ingredients are, but people are looking to me to be somewhat well-versed in the topic. And so it takes a while for you to, to review and research and con- connect with legal and think about, you know, if you're interpreting the science and the data correctly, but it's something that's so fun. Yeah. I mean, that sounds really interesting because again, like I'm, I I agree, I'm not really well-versed in like ashwagandha or, um, I mean, I know turmeric is, you know, anti-inflammatory, but I don't really know like the studies or the evidence behind all of that. So mm-hmm. you're kind of looking at those studies and evidence to see how can we translate the um, associations uh, mm-hmm. between the effects that like something like turmeric would have on something and then trying to translate that to a consumer level. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. How much do you need of the material? What, um, like, I think what blows my mind is I didn't know that turmeric needed pepper um, to help the, the functional component of turmeric um, in the, in the body work. Uh, so that was something like if you're talking to a product developer and be like, Oh, by the way, we should really add some pepper into this product. And if it's not traditionally something that has pepper, how do you navigate that <laughs> with, with uh, your product development team? Or how will the consumer from a sensory perspective pick up on that piece? And when you say pepper, are you saying like black pepper? Yeah. Oh, okay. Fun so fact. you need, so you need <laughs> black pepper and turmeric to have, and they have some kind of synergistic effect. Right. Interesting. Wow. I, I mean, I didn't know that. I, I was just, yeah, uh, I was just throwing turmeric and stuff, but now <laughs> I'm going to throw turmeric and black pepper and, uh, I'll tell them that, yeah, you need a both because that's, yeah. that's what you need. It's funny. Cause my mom just sent me in the mail. Um, she sends me COVID, uh, love packages right and so (laughs) she found me she found uh this supplement that you can put in your beverages that has turmeric and ginger and i the first thing i did was turn it over to look at the ingredients (laughs) to see if there was pepper in there so i was like there's not pepper i don't know if this is worth it um but yeah that's awesome yeah i mean i i feel like i i do like reading labels but i feel like for you it brings on like a whole new like meaning Yeah, I really nerd out on it more than the average person. (laughs) You're like, this product has no black pepper. Like, this turmeric is useless in this product. (laughs) Right. Don't buy that. (laughs) Or if you're looking Uh, at, like, nutrition facts information, I often am 
we'll see, like try to make sure that it, uh, all the math adds up. So like sometimes I'll be looking at the nutrition facts panel, I'll have my cell phone out and I'll be like calculating, okay, do you match your carbohydrates and, and fat and protein? Does that match the total calories? And think about like, did they round up? Did they round down? It's a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like someone who it likes to be very analytical, like working in regulatory would be like a pretty good fit, it seems like. Yeah, you definitely have to be um, lover of facts, analytical, someone who can multitask because there's a lot of projects that come through and a lot of details that you have to look at. Um, but I think any, if you're a dietitian or a diet tech, uh, registered, you would excel in regulatory. I think we have a unique skill set that really sets us up for the role and the work. And when it comes down to it, it's a lot about relationships and making sure that you're building relationships. So people will come to you for that expertise and trust what you're saying. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue maybe regulatory or working in the food industry, is there certain like skills or knowledge that someone could work on attaining to kind of help them uh, get into your field? Yes. Yes and no. Um, So if someone wanted to get into regulatory, there's not many undergraduate or even graduate programs that would specifically focus on the field of regulatory affairs and scientific affairs. That being said, If you're really passionate about the topic, try to get advocacy experience, whether that's being, you know, your public policy coordinator for your state or your MIG, DPG. Um, If you can do it on the national level for the academy, I think that's great because that is a really big piece of the puzzle that, yes, there's this technical day to day, but thinking about that strategy and public policy um, future looking is really important to help frame the work that you do in regulatory on the day-to-day basis. I think also, too, networking is key. If you're thinking about switching into the food industry, try to find, you know, at Fancy or through LinkedIn, a dietitian who works in the food industry, ask them if you can pick their brain um, to really understand if it's the right fit for you. It is more marketing business oriented, and that's not for everyone. Um, So, Try to utilize your network to to talk to someone and, and get a little bit more of a clearer picture. And then also a lot of these companies, they have internships, um, which I know if you've been in the field or the profession for a little bit, you're like, I do not want to go back down to an internship <laughs> yes, <totally. laughs> or to an intern salary. But it might, you can always talk to a company and see if they're willing to either expand the pay band or turn it into a different opportunity. And then also, like I said before, just apply. If you see something, you're like, this looks totally crazy, but I think I might be interested, just apply. You'll know in the interview process if the business is the right fit for you, if the role is the right fit for you. Um, but you never know unless you just start doing it. Right. That's true. And someone else I talk with that you make a good point is like, you'll never know unless you try. Right. Mm-hmm. And how can you know if it's a good fit or not? I mean, you can have some kind of idea, but you won't truly know until you actually try. Exactly. That's why I told myself, okay, you might have almost failed your clinical internship, but you still need to give it a chance and try and at least work in the field to see if you're like, clinical is definitely not for me. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm curious if do you, do you miss uh, clinical or direct patient care at all, or is that something that's just like in distant memory? And now you're all in for um, <laughs> for you know where you work now. Yeah, uh, I do. I do miss it. Um, particularly, I used when I lived in Vermont. I worked uh, volunteered at a camp for kids with cancer, and I was their kitchen director. So I had that very food service oriented hat on. Um, but working with a medical team and if there was a nutrition question, they often were like, Hey, you know, what do you think about X, Y, Z? And while they weren't directly my patients, I think that kind of was like, Oh man, I miss this work. I miss like having that one-on-one connection with a patient and helping them, um, figure out what they need achieve. So probably more of the outpatient side is what I miss. Um, but yeah, there's just something really special about clinical and the relationship that you have with your patients. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I switch roles and I work more on the food service side. So I, I, um, don't do direct patient care anymore, but there is like some part of me that does, uh, miss that part, mm-hmm. but maybe it's cause it's more recent for me, but, uh, but I do get what you're saying and I do get where you're coming from that there is like that part of you that you did before. I mean, right. Cause you were, you were doing that before, right. but, um, but, you know, I mean, your interests change and, and your passion shifts. And so um, I feel like in the end, it all it all ends up working out. Definitely. Yeah. I like that I can influence change on a high level without people even really noticing that I can influence. Right. Change. Can you give an example of that? Like that's a, uh, you know, I you're think like a ninja. It's like a ninja. Exa- in, exactly. I am the, in food the shadows industry ninja um, helping to make sure keep marketing straight. And, um, you know, it's just in the background or thinking about the comments that Nestle writes on regulatory related topics, uh, how we can influence that perspective again with doing what's right for the consumer and having that transparency um, but also balancing the needs of the business from maybe a manufacturing perspective or something like that. Definitely. I don't want to take up too much of more of your time, but is there is there a question that I didn't ask or is there anything that you'd like to share? Yes, I think I would love to tell people, you know, if you want to continue learning in your profession and expanding your network and skills, get involved with volunteering with the academy or your state affiliate or local affiliate on some level. Um, It has been one of the most rewarding pieces of my professional career in addition to the work that I do at Nestle, uh, just being able to serve and give back to the profession. I've made a lot of invaluable connections with mentors, friends, people who have opened up, you know, doors for me. So if you're looking for something extra to do, just get involved. It can be on the smallest level, um, or you can take it as large as you want, but it will, it will pay you back tenfold. I promise. Thank you so much for your time, Katie. I think, I think there'll be a lot of people who are interested in hearing about a different role and a different perspective in nutrition. So again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. I feel like we could chat for hours more about the topic and just about, you know, the profession as a whole. So thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening this on. If you're listening 
on Apple Podcasts. It would help us out if you left a rating or review. And if you or anyone you know works in a unique or niche field of nutrition and would like to be on the show, please reach out to me on social media or at our website, www.dietitiansunknown.com. Thanks for listening.